Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, my friends. I hope everybody's doing well today. Today, I'm going to talk about Parkinson's disease. I have a lot of clients that have this dementia, and I think a lot of them really struggle with how to be happy in this world and really understanding what some of the symptoms of Parkinson's can be like and how can they you know, assess it well and look for help in various ways that would be able to make a real difference in their lives. So what are some of the changes that we might see? What what would be, you know, maybe even an acute change in your motor skills or your cognitive symptoms? Well, Parkinson's itself is a slowly changing condition. It it goes really slowly over time. You can notice tremors. You can notice stiffness and various symptoms that are kind of mild in the beginning. But it's really important to consult with your primary care physician. You know, if you are worsening or experiencing any changes, worsening in your movement, new or significant worsening of your thinking problems, cognition in in the form of like confusion or hallucinations or even psychosis. A psychosis means that you are having hallucinations of some type. And all of this happens because it's a medical illness, not necessarily Parkinson's itself, okay? But Often the causes when happen like this when changes happen in your symptoms really, really quickly. And probably the most common medical conditions that can worsen your Parkinson's symptoms are infections like bladder infections, having pneumonia, if you have any heart arrhythmia or problems like that. Even dehydration. It's summertime right now, and being dehydrated, not having enough fluids in your body, or or even a blood clot or something like that can change your symptoms dramatically. And even side effects of new medications um, or your medications interacting interacting with another medication uh, can cause problems that you didn't even see coming and really change how quickly your symptoms will change. So some of the things that I want to look at today are, you know, like your bone health, because we don't really think about bone health with Parkinson's. You think of it as a lack of dopamine in the brain and it not giving you what you need to be able to control your balance and and, um, you know, how well you're standing, moving, dancing, walking, hiking, whatever that is, right? But bone health becomes more important as we age because when we age, we're less physically active. I think just about everybody is. Uh, I think in, in Colorado or in mountainous states or mountainous countries, we see people out and about enjoying, you know, the mountains, the ocean, whatever it is, maybe a little bit more than other states. But in some of the, um, you know, like the Midwest or in in countries that have more barren land or arid conditions, sometimes we don't see people out as much. And so when we're not actively out walking the dog or riding a bike or whatever, um, with aging, our bones can become thinner 
and weaker, and that increases the risk of uh, fractures from falls. And other changes that we could associate with aging and Parkinson's are sort of bad or flexed posture, the way we stand, the way we sit. How often do you notice yourself sort of slumping over instead of sitting up straight? Uh, I find myself doing that often. I have to remind myself, especially in a car behind the wheel, to make sure that I'm sitting up straight and I'm using good posture, but most of us don't, right? And so we get we end up with spine problems and and joint arthritis and pain in various areas and osteoporosis, which is bone loss, um, and osteopenia, which is bone thinning, are both treatab- treatable bone conditions that can really have a negative impact on the health of your bones. So if you are having problems like that, go to your doctor, for goodness sakes. Go and talk to them so that you don't end up with osteoporosis or the um, osteopenia. Because if that happens, there's no coming back from it. You can't make it better if it is deteriorating. We have to think about things like that because that that negative impact can help can happen on the bones and most especially your spine so your tailbone and your lower lumbar uh 4 5 and 6 are can be affected greatly so it's a good idea to maybe to ask your doctor about a bone density scan so that you can have early detection for either one of those things i was talking about um, because you don't want to have decreased bone density. You need to identify that as quickly as you possibly can. These kinds of things can lead to problems and can lead to worsening of Parkinson's disease. And it's important not just for for women, it's important for men as well. And so if you spend time outside or less time outside, and you're getting less sun exposure, you also have a loss of vitamin D. And those vitamin D levels being reduced can cause more problems with Parkinson's. And Parkinson's itself can be associated with lower vitamin D levels. People just don't see how this is important. We think of vitamin D as just being you know, getting some sunshine and having it work with our endorphins and and just making us feel better overall because we like sunshine. But the truth of the matter is, if you have Parkinson's disease, a blood test can determine your vitamin D level and whether your current treatment is appropriate or not. You may have to adjust it to compensate for the fact that maybe you have lower vitamin D. So what other kind of things could you think about? Heart health. Everybody ought to think about heart health, right? Because your heart supplies blood to the vital organs, including your brain. It's blood pressure control, diabetes care. It uh, helps for screening for control of high cholesterol. Oh, man, you don't want to have high cholesterol. You get on those statins, that's a game changer and can really jack you up. I'm not kidding you. Um, I've heard of people that have been on statins that have not have not had a good experience, right? Um, you can have, if you have heart problems, you can have dietary changes, Uh, Weight management is all centered around your heart and your heart health. And exercise, if you can exercise a little bit more often, take your dog for a walk, go for a walk in the morning or the evening, um, walk on a treadmill, go work in your garden, you know, just various things that you can do to uh, increase your exercise. And then if you do that, you and your primary care physician can work together to make sure that you maintain a healthy heart and brain. Because, I mean, you've heard this over and over in your life. In general, what's good for your heart is also good for your brain. 
And we need more brain power. We need more brain function to keep it from, you know, behaving badly, to have cognitive impairment or memory loss. And about 80% of people with Parkinson's will have memory loss. So the more that we can do to keep our heart healthy, it will help us enormously. Another thing that people don't think about with Parkinson's disease is fatigue. Being tired is a common symptom with Parkinson's, but fatigue can be caused by other problems. And those other problems are things I just talked about. Heart problems, diabetes, thyroid issues, depression, cancer, lung disease, anemia, sleep apnea, medicine side effects. These are just a few of the medical problems that can also cause you to have fatigue, to be overly tired. And there are researchers that believe that sleep apnea is more common in people with Parkinson's disease. I don't know why that is, but they have done some tests and they have found that people with Parkinson's disease do not sleep well. So they find themselves being at a deficit uh, for rest and they get up in the morning and they don't feel rested and they don't feel like they've had a good night's sleep. And guess what happens if that happens? If you don't have a good night's sleep, you're going to have cognitive and mood problems. So cognitive, of course, is your thought process and being able to work well. And as I was talking about vitamin D earlier, you can have vitamin deficiencies, not just vitamin D, but a low B12 level. And if you have that problem, you're going to have electrolyte abnormalities that are not going to work well. Your body needs that vitamin D. You need that B12 to kind of be the best you can be and to help your your thinking channels to be open and functioning well, blood flowing to the areas it should be so that you're not um, foggy or feeling kind of funky or off your game. So you should get those levels checked, B12 and D. I would say at least once a year, just to make sure that those electrolytes are working and you're not having problems. If you have if you have deficiencies in those areas, you could have thyroid problems. We know thyroid problems can come to play with all kinds of different types of dementias. It is a reversible dementia if you have thyroid problems, but it can lead to something worse if you do. So getting on some thyroid medication to kind of uh, calm that down and, and help you to function a little bit better is a good idea. Get it checked. Make sure your thyroid is is behaving properly and functioning the way it should be, okay? And I talked about sleep apnea. Sleep apnea and cardiovascular disease are both examples of medical problems that can cause depression, anxiety, thinking problems, and can lead to many other worse things. Not just symptoms of Parkinson's, but can lead to, you know, serious issues of mood changes and a lack of emotional stability and and things of that nature. And if you have mood changes, those mood changes can easily lead to having depression issues and having your thought process disrupted in a huge way. When we're not thinking clearly, when we're sad, when we're down, when we're we're feeling like we're not worthy, we feel lonely, um, and you're dealing with issues like that, you exasperate all those other symptoms that you're dealing with when you have Parkinson's disease. Now, hey, I'm not going to be the I'm not going to be a person that's going to sit here and tell you that having Parkinson's is a walk in the park. It's a hard disease. People get really down about their condition. And I actually find that the people with Parkinson's do better than their caregivers do. Of late, I think some of the hardest clients I've had to work with in the past 
six months in all of 2021, hands down are the caregivers of Parkinson's folks. I don't know why that is, but I don't know if the COVID just made it worse or what happened, but I'm finding that the caregivers are feeling more angry. They're out of patience. They're lacking uh, compassion in a lot of areas. And it all has to do with the cognitive and mood problems that a person with Parkinson's has. They feel like that person's not talking to them much anymore. They feel like there's a lack of intimacy. Um, Everything's become about the disease and not about their lives as they knew it. And that can really make mood swings out of control, not just for the person with Parkinson's, but also for their caregiver. I think I think it's a big issue. I really do. So as we get along this train, what are some of the things that could cause those mood problems? Well, I can tell you right now, your bowel and bladder changes make a huge difference. If you have gastric issues and you have reflux, you know, heartburn problems, you have constipation, you have urinary frequency and urgency that you can't make it to the bathroom in time and uh, you're having accidents left and right, that's where the caregiver issues come in. That's where the depression and mood swings come in. Um, But these are not uncommon. These are common issues with people with Parkinson's disease. So these are treatable issues. Often it is maybe some kind of a antibiotic to cause a urinary tract infection or, you know, some like a, a, a drug that you can take to get rid of your acid reflux and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, one of them that people take, but the name of it's not coming to me right now. But there are, there are medications that you can take over the counter. Um, and also prescription to help with those problems of acid reflux and constipation. So just know these are treatable things. If you're struggling with bowel issues and bladder issues and, and um, you know, even maybe having to bring Depends into your home, those are embarrassing things. They're not comfortable. You don't want people to know about it. You don't want them to come into your house and find them underneath your sink or something like that when people are being nosy when they're using your bathroom or something. These are difficult things. And it can swing all this into a trajectory that you do not want. And and it is why we have issues with mood problems and emotional stability for everyone concerned. Parkinson's does not just affect the person who has the disease. It affects the entire family because we're always trying to figure out what we can do better. How can we make it better? And sometimes we just get mad at the symptoms. We just get mad at the symptoms. But it's because they become a mountain. They become all these issues of... of um, Everything that I've been talking about, the sleep apnea, the hallucinations, the, the heart problems, the, the mood issues, the memory slipping and things like that. So let's try to figure out, you know, today some ways that, that we can just talk about this and, and how can we make all this better? Well, one thing that I think is a big deal and I'm, I've actually noticed it for myself, is weight management. So some people with Parkinson's gain weight due to the diet changes, the sweets cravings, um, the decrease in exercise. And as I said earlier, this can lead to many problems, including joint disease, pain, fatigue, diabetes, heart disease, Um, reduced stamina, not being able to last as long in any activity that you're doing, and uh, and obviously walking problems, especially if you have um, 
Parkinson's-induced gait disorder and you're not walking well, or you have tremors. So those are, those are kind of big deals. And it's pretty easy to see how those conditions could affect your mobility. So pay attention to your weight and talk about your weight issues, a sudden weight gain or weight loss with your doctor. When I said I'm, I'm looking at this myself, I actually, um, I believe that we can fight some of these diseases, some of these dementia diseases, if we exercise a lot and we watch our weight. I think it's a big deal. And recently, I started noticing that over the last two years, I've been at a stable weight, and I think it's because I exercise a lot. My husband and I hike on the weekends, and I work in my garden constantly. I'm always going up and down stairs. I'm always bending over. I'm always moving. I'm pulling hoses and everything else um, and walking my dog and stuff like that. But I haven't been able to lose weight And so I don't think I particularly eat poorly. I like fish. I like vegetables. I could could eat uh, broccoli and cauliflower and squash and zucchini and peppers and onions and stuff like that every day of the week. (laughs) I really could. But the problem is I include them with bratwurst and cheese and all kinds of stuff that make it kind of bad. So I myself, in the next couple of weeks, am going to embark on a first-time-for-me diet. And I am going to do the Octavia diet because I know right now I'm a little overweight. It's not good for my health It's not good for my back and my joints. It's not good for my heart. So I'm going to make a change. And I decided on this Octavia because it's a fat-burning diet, so you lose weight quickly. I really only need to lose about 25 pounds to be at an optimum weight for my height. But I definitely notice the changes in my breathing, my stamina, my overall good health when I'm out hiking and I'm carrying around an extra 25 pounds, I probably shouldn't be. So I'm going to check back with you all and tell you how I'm doing on this new diet. (laughs) Probably in the end of August, I'll tell you how I'm doing and if I've lost any weight and if I'm feeling better and I feel like I'm, I'm doing something positive for myself. So sometimes... People with Parkinson's have the opposite problem of what I'm having, where they have trouble gaining weight due to the fact that they have a loss of sense of smell. They have an altered taste in their mouth. Um, they Everything tastes a little sour, and they can have their palate become very, very bland. Um, they sometimes have a decreased desire to eat. Apathy, just not caring whether they eat or not. Um, Depression, like I talked about earlier. Swallowing issues. Swallowing problems um, with people with all kinds of dementias are an issue at various times. Uh, Stomach bloating, especially if you have a lot of salt intake. You might feel like you're bloated or cheese or milk uh, intake. Constipation. uh, Changes in the body's metabolic rate. And increased energy that you're expending due to tremors or dyskinesia. So unexplained weight changes can be a signal for other problems like maybe thyroid disease or gastrointestinal problems. And dare I say it, even cancer. So you need to pay attention to your body's highs and lows with medications, with the food you're eating, with uh, the issues that I was just talking about because they can become a big, big problem down the road. So like I said, I'm going to try this Octavia 
diet. I hope that it works for me. And if it does, I'm going to share with all of you my journey because there are a lot of us out there that um, maybe need to lose a few pounds just to get healthier. And for those of you with Parkinson's that have uh, gained a lot of weight, it could help you. And if not, um, we'll figure out something else uh, if you are having struggles with trying to gain weight because you're losing weight, maybe by adding some uh, drinks that have some extra nutri- nutritional value like slushies and, and things like that. And those are in the form of Insure. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some other self-care things that we should address when you have Parkinson's disease. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right, we're back. And today I'm talking about Parkinson's disease and how just basic life issues and interactions can make a big difference in your disease process. And it it really matters, my friends. Parkinson's disease is the one of the dementias that I think my clients have the most control over. We don't have any control at all over FTD. That just goes off on a tangent by itself and becomes family members' worst nightmares. Um, Alzheimer's disease, uh, people can they, – they do have a little bit that they can do to change their journey in the beginning, in the early stages, and how the family interacts all makes a great big difference. But people with Parkinson's disease, there are various things that you can do, like I was talking about with weight management and and bowel and bladder changes and cognitive and mood problems and all that kind of stuff, bone health, heart health, fatigue. All that plays into how quickly your disease moves forward. The other ones don't really have that much that impacts Um, their disease the way it does for people with Parkinson's. So I'm going to bring up one right now that I think really should matter to everybody. But smoking, (laughs) you know, I have um, asthma. So I struggle for breath. I cannot imagine adding something that would make it harder for me to breathe. But for all the smokers out there, I have to say, I truly do not understand you. (laughs) I don't. I don't know why you would want to make it harder for yourself to be able to breathe. And we know that smoking is directly associated with heart disease and lung problems. My dad died of lung cancer. Um, It can also reduce your stamina it, it, it is uh, making exercise and your everyday movements more difficult. Again, why? Why? Smoking has a negative impact on your brain health. It does. It does. Medication, nicotine supplements, and behavioral therapies 
are all available to help you kick the habit. I implore you, please rethink this every time you light up because it can cause so many problems, not just cancer, but uh, of course, heart problems, but you get wrinkles around your mouth. <laughs> I can always tell a smoker when I meet them because they have wrinkles around their mouth and they're more sunken in on their face. And smokers have really deep voices for the most part. I think that's really interesting. But if somebody in your life that loves you has asked you over the years to please stop and you haven't, um, I guess nothing I say today is going to have any impact on you. But I would like you to think about the fact that it's not helping your Parkinson's disease. If you're smoking and you have Parkinson's disease, um, you are accelerating your symptoms and you're accelerating your demise exponentially. It's going to go so much faster. And it's going to get so much worse so quickly. And you have some control over that. So all I ask you is think about that. Okay? Just think about it. <laughs> Another one is alcohol use. Um, you might have heard that one glass of red wine a day can reduce your risk of heart disease. Um, for some individuals with Parkinson's, even this small amount is not recommended. Uh, you should review your use of alcohol with your primary care physician or neurologist because alcohol can exasperate low blood pressure. It can affect your brain balance and your body balance. It will impair your mood. It will impair thinking functions. It worsens apathy and not giving a damn about anything. Um, and it interacts with many of your medicines. So if you're taking cinnamon or levodopa and you drink, it can make your symptoms worse. So it doesn't mean that you have to avoid alcohol altogether, but you better be aware of how it's going to interact with your medicines and assess whether the benefits of having a drink outweigh the risk of it worsening your symptoms because it will. It will. You have to think about these things. You have to be smart about it. If you don't like your symptoms now, you're going to like them a whole lot less if any of the things I talked about today aren't managed well. So how, how do we turn this into self-care? How do we make it better? You know, it's a tough, it's a tough one. It's a $64,000 question, I suppose. But Parkinson's disease is a chronic illness. And, of course, treatment includes the medications I just talked about, levodopa and cinnamon and others um, that can help you with your on and off times. Um, and help you to manage your symptoms so that you don't have the tremors or you don't have the bradykinesia and, and so on and so forth. Um, there are lifestyle changes you can make. Like I said, making sure that you exercise a little bit more, stop smoking, watch your weight, all those kinds of things. Um, there are non-medical Therapies that you could be a part of, music therapies and um, boxing, uh, playing tennis, riding a bicycle, just doing things that, that you will exert energy because if you can – I've said it before. If you can ride a bike for about 20 minutes, you can stave off symptoms for about that same amount of time. If you ride a bike for four hours, you can sometimes stave off your symptoms for three to four hours. So being able to use some of these therapies of um, uh, boxing, swimming, dancing, stuff like that can help enormously if you're willing to do it. And then there's always wellness-based treatments for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm all, all about that. 
I can I love that. Um, aromatherapies, massages, um, yoga, tai chi or chai tea. <laughs> I always say that backwards. Tai chi. Um, there's just a lot of things you could do for the mind, body, and spirit. I think that anytime you can meditate, um, you can use uh, oils, body oils, and things like that. Just taking a hot bath, um, going to a spa, getting a facial, things like that. Consult with your local clergy or you know, spend some time with a good friend, sit down and read a good book. All these things contribute to mind, body, and spirit. And, you know, sometimes your treatments can be really complex and they're going to change over time. And although you rely on your primary care physician to recommend treatments, only you are going to know what is best for you and your life, right? You know what you're willing to do. It's like if you have to go to physical therapy and you have a therapist uh, give you this rubber band thing and tell you to use it on your legs and stuff like that or you're supposed to do certain exercises. Um, many of us listen to what they say and then we take a bunch of pieces of paper home that explain how we were supposed to do those exercises and eventually they go in the trash and we never pay attention to it and we never do those exercises. This won't help you. So come up with a plan with your doctor that you know you will do. What exercises would you be willing to to do? What 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 could you turn into your um, your thought processes into something that you would actually try, like gardening or walking the dog or meditating or yoga or something like that, right? Because you know what works and what's not going to work, and only you can apply the knowledge to make the best treatment choices for yourself over time. I mean, who is who better to look out for you than you or your family members? Right? I mean, it it really really matters what you want to do. So, I would also recommend maybe going to like a physical therapist an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, or a psychologist to help you with some of these options, to help you decide, you know, what's going to work with you. Is it your physical well, well-being? So what does a physical therapist do? So they are rehabilitation specialists, okay? Usually they have a master's degree or higher, and their treatment focuses on improving, restoring, and maintaining movement abilities or, or just helping you in the adjustment of movement problems associated with the neurologic problems of, you know, having a, you know, a muscle skeletal issue because you have Parkinson's disease. So they can include electrical muscle stimulation, ultrasound, targeted exercise. Um, physical therapies can help, therapists can help uh, people with Parkinson's develop exercise routines that are tailored to your own needs. And hopefully they will include some strategies that will help you increase your strength and flexibility and stamina and most importantly, your coordination and your balance, right? Because those are the things that are suffering when you have Parkinson's disease. Now, an occupational therapist is different. They're a, they're a specialist that has generally a master's degree. And what they try to focus on is your daily life at home or at work. So they can help a person with Parkinson's um, adapt their living 
and workspaces to better control what goes on in their environment uh, to make sure that maybe your desk at your in your office at home or in your work area really helps you to maintain your body strength and again that body posture and and what I was talking about earlier about sitting up straight and and not slouching over and things like that they can certainly help with those kinds of things right and th- what they try to do is modify whatever task you have uh to kind of compensate for whatever physical impairment you have or what has been diminished that that you need to be more functional now and be working a little bit better so that you can maintain your job, uh, you can maintain going into the office, you can maintain um, the way you speak and your speech and things like that uh, so that you're able to converse with your your colleagues and your workers, it may, especially if it's a, a business that you own by yourself. And if both the physical therapist and the occupational therapist isn't enough or you need that help with talking to colleagues and and folks, your family, whoever it is, uh, clients on the phone, sometimes you could use the help of a speech therapist. So they are – another name for them are speech language pathologists and these folks assess and diagnose and treat your problems related to your speech, your language, your communication skills, and your swallowing. A big portion of what they do is to help remind your body to uh, have the muscle movement to remember to swallow. And that sounds really crazy, but the truth of the matter is that people with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, Lewy body, sometimes have problems uh, swallowing, and we can uh, asphyxiate ourselves. You can choke on your food. You can um, have problems not being able to chew up your food and get it down the way you used to, or you might forget to take a drink and wash it down, and people will choke on their food and die. I think it's one of the main reasons why people with Parkinson's and also late-stage Alzheimer's uh, sometimes um, die from that as opposed to the actual disease itself. So these are big, big deals. So if you can get a speech therapist to help you. I had a show a couple years ago called Big and Loud. It's a program where they teach people how to uh, maintain their audible tone because we know that people with Parkinson's have a tendency to have a lower audible tone. They sound like they're actually whispering and they think they're speaking normally, but people around them become agitated because they can't hear what they're saying. And we see this all the time. So speech therapists are super helpful in being able to help you to continue to uh, project your voice and get your words out and even enunciate what you're saying so that you have better delivery when you're speaking. It just makes a big, big difference. So last but not least, why would you consult a a psychologist? Well, a psychologist has a doctorate level, okay? Um, They are a PhD or a a psychologist D who use non-medical treatments to help you with your issues, okay, Um, such as counseling, um, mediating, they're helping you to treat your problems that happen with your emotional needs, essentially, like your grief, uh, the, the personal loss of, of skills, the things that make you sad about the cognitive loss that you're having or the memory loss that you're having. And oftentimes that can turn into anxiety as well as depression. And psychologists are there to help you through that and sort through it and 
and keep the disease itself at bay so that you are dealing with the emotional issues of these problems. Because when you get that depression and anxiety, you're going to have relationship and family issues. You are. You're going you're gonna to struggle with how you're communicating with the people in your family and the people in your life, the people in your work realm, whatever it is. And so you have to think about those kinds of things. And how am I going to get through it? And maybe I need to talk to somebody to see if they can help me make those adjustments in my life that will make me more successful. I really want you to, to ask for help. Um, your, see if your insurance covers talking to a psychologist to help you maneuver through these areas. Because we, in addition to the ones I just talked about, you can get impulsivity problems where you just can't control your impulses. Um, sometimes addictions can start from pain medications, sleep medications. Um, and you can have other changes in your behavior or mood that you just don't know how to manage. So think about a psychologist to help you kind of deal with all of that. There are other people that you could talk to in that realm. There are neuropsychologists, and they have additional training in the diagnosis and treatment of cognitive problems related specifically to brain disorders. So a neuropsychologist could probably help you more than a, a I, I want to say, a general a psychologist because they have more training on the brain and and brain issues, brain diseases, and so forth that um, the, uh, a general psychologist would not. So a neuropsychologist could be a really good idea. See if there's one in your area. See if there's one within a five-hour five drive. I think it would help you. Sometimes we have to take it a step further and maybe talk to a psychiatrist, and that person a psychiatrist, people get afraid of going to the psychiatrist, right? But they treat psychiatric conditions, okay? And unlike a psychologist, they are licensed to prescribe medications for some of the conditions and issues and symptoms that you're having that a psychologist cannot do. A psychologist can talk you through it. A psychiatrist can medically change your brain waves and the chemicals in your brain to try to help you manage if that's what you need. Not everybody needs that, but if that's what you need, okay? Many of your doctors will have a local social worker that you can talk to, and they're just trying to improve the quality of your life and your caregiver's life by addressing the emotional and social issues that that happen when you're living with a chronic progressive disease. They can guide you to counseling um, for both you and your caregiver. Uh, they can guide you to emotional support and give you referrals to resources um, relating to people in the community that can address your needs and help you with social integration so that you're still keeping your social graces and knowing how to interact with people and not wanting to become a recluse or seclude yourself from people because you're afraid that your low audible tone or your tremors or something like that may be disruptive to others and it's become very conscious for you to not want to be around people anymore. So a social worker can help you to, to work through those things and help you find those local resources, kind of like what I do, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the, the biggest thing that I wish for you is I hope that you have a care partner, a care uh, friend, spouse, family member, whatever it is, that is there for you and can help you through your needs in this area. Um, all of you out there in my caregiver nation, I think that you do an awesome job all the time. I think we have really hard issues sometimes um, 
being aware and and being compassionate and really listening sometimes to our people with with Parkinson's disease. And it is important that you find people that will participate in your care if you have the disease um, for the caregivers, that you find somebody that you can share your thoughts and your emotions with, especially if they are negative or concerning in any way, like a support group, uh, so that you feel that you have that. Um, everybody needs somebody who will listen and and help us to assess our bodies and our minds and how we're doing where you can. I want you to think holistically. I want you to get involved in um, just going for walks and getting outside and getting sunshine and, and doing things that will help you, like I talked about earlier, uh, meditation, yoga, hiking, whatever it is, um, those holistic things, eating well, watching your weight, um, will all make a big difference for you. And for goodness sakes, establish a good support team, okay? You need to make sure that you have people that can uniquely address all your different needs uh, and make sure that you have people on your team, like I was talking about, about the different therapists and so on and so forth, that will address your um, your spiritual needs, um, get a counselor, get an exercise, exercise trainer, get mind-body specialists that can help you with whatever you need and uh, make sure that you are still engaging with your family and friends. And then your team can help to give you tips and knowledgeable techniques and strategies because they know you better and you've shared information with them. I hope this helped a little bit today and that maybe it gives you a chance to think about some ways that you can actually control your own destiny and do things that will benefit you on your own level, on your own terms. Okay, so I wish you all well out there in Parkinson's land, and I hope that you're going to listen to some of these things today and make some good changes in your life, and I'll check back in with you how my Optiva diet is going in a couple of weeks. <laughs> all right, everybody out there in Caregiver Nation, be well. I love you, and I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.